It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast, breaking down the NBA Finals as the Milwaukee Bucks take home the title. Plus, my interview with Dave Johnson of the Washington Wizards about the historic hire of Wes Unsell Jr., All that and so much more coming your way next. You're listening to the Kirby on Sports Podcast. connected this is dave johnson voice of the washington wizards you have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man josh kirby on sports podcast all right welcome back to another edition of the kirby on sports podcast before we move any for further we would like to thank our sponsors as always Regroup Building Services, PM Plus Reserve, Shenandoah Primitives, and Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation. Without their support, the Kirby on Sports podcast would not be where it is today. Big thanks to Productions by Quet and Dave Johnson as well. Um, not that much to cover on this week's episode, but I had to bring on somebody who is known in the Washington football community um, as a really great podcaster. He's a huge Washington football fan, but this isn't one of the main reasons why I'm getting him on the show. The main reason why is because the NBA finals has wrapped up and you know how we are on the podcast. We don't follow the NBA closely enough to give our a hundred percent true thoughts, you know this, but um, anyways, we're bringing on Parker Hamlet from sidelines to Washington. We're not talking football right away, but he's one of the biggest Bucks fans I've seen in this series, and the Bucks just won the NBA Finals. So, who better to get on to break down the NBA Finals than Parker himself? Parker, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Josh, first of all, great introduction, could have asked for better. Um, it's an absolute honor to be here, man. You know, as we were talking about before we went on, you've been on an absolute tear and, you know, we've been kind of putting this off, but it's finally, finally nice to link up. And yeah, I mean, normally, you know, I said this on my show on sidelines, Washington, I I normally like to, to keep everything Washington, but, but for this trip today, I'm rocking the Giannis Antetokounmpo jersey, rocking the Bucks hat, still got some Washington football team memorabilia in the background, but definitely enjoying the Bucks making this little victory lap. Um, nice seeing everything pay off for Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Drew Middleton, Coach Bud, and everybody, and and certainly a great NBA Finals of two teams that you normally definitely would not see in those circumstances. So, I mean, like I said, two very hungry cities, very hungry for a championship, and uh, nice to see the Bucks come out on top. Two-time MVP Giannis putting on a 50-burger down, down 2-0. You know, uh, that, that image will live in infamy of uh, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton sitting there kind of laughing at the media you know they've been there before they worked their way back up um nice to see 
uh, the Milwaukee Bucks get some love finally after the last couple of years. They definitely came up short. Well, I'll tell you one thing to start this um, segment off. I feel like the Phoenix Suns were more hungry than the Milwaukee Bucks because we all know the Milwaukee Bucks have had the talent in years past to get to the finals, just did not work out. But the Suns, th this was an organization, a team that has not been well for years. And they add pieces like Devin Booker. They got Chris Paul. You, you name it, some other guys' additions. And DeAndre the Phoenix Aiden. Suns getting in this position, they were hungry to win. I mean, I'm not saying the Bucs weren't either, but the Bucs had talent. They've had Giannis and those other guys. But, I mean, the, looking at game one and two, the Phoenix Suns looked like they were on a tear. And then the Bucs after that just run the table to win the finals, as you said, a 50 uh, spot in the game six Giannis put up to beat the Suns 105 to 98. But I, I mean, what an exciting series, nonetheless, uh, no matter if you're a Bucs fan or a Suns fan, I think it was really good to see two teams who did not have LeBron James on them or Steph Curry or anything. It was good to see two teams that weren't a one seed go out and compete in the finals because it seemed like for years and years, LeBron would always make a trip back and you would always have the LeBron versus Steph Curry. That's what made the NBA not fun, in my opinion. And sit, watching this final series casually following along, I was like, now this is a finals I can get into. Exactly. And, and you know, the media certainly conditioned all the NBA fans to gravitate towards a, a Nets Clippers series. You know, people want to see Kevin Durant get back there for, first year back. You know, like you said, we're so conditioned to also seeing guys like LeBron in the finals, Steph Curry. You know, it, it's kind of like they're these big superstars in the NBA, of course, of course, a part of these bigger markets. I mean, you saw everybody reacted to having to possibly go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to, 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 to watch the finals. Guys like Stephen A. Smith rolled their eyes about it. And, and, you know, I can certainly say that I can say myself as a Bucks fan, you know, I thought Phoenix was the more hungry team as well. Definitely the more young team. Definitely the team definitely had something more to prove. A lot of people argue that the Bucs should have been in this position last year. So, I mean, some people kind of feel like this is a little bit of a, of a year too late, but they go in the offseason, get guys like Drew Holiday, kind of let a couple people walk. Giannis has a, has a meeting with ownership, you know, uh, about what he expects. If he's going to sign the Supermax, signs the Supermax, then the team wins the NBA Finals. People can talk about the path there. It is what it is. The Bucs came out on top. They outlasted a lot of these teams. Very beat up Brooklyn Nets team. But like I said, this Phoenix Suns team was here for a reason. You got Chris Paul, who was finally trying to get his ring. DeAndre Aiden, one of the better young big men in the NBA. You know, Devin Booker, you know, kind of in the same light as Kobe. I don't know how people are going to feel about that after the NBA Finals loss. But at the end of the day, this was a – and when it comes to, in terms of key team chemistry, Josh, I cannot name many teams in the NBA that had better team chemistry coming into this series than the Phoenix Suns. So, you know, it, it, there was a lot of high-pressure situations, and the team definitely showed their naivety. The Milwaukee Bucks did what the Milwaukee Bucks probably should have did last year, and that was come out on top as NBA champions. But it's definitely good to see. If, if there's one thing, you know, you're talking about the kind of the power hierarchy of the NFL, or I mean, excuse me, the NBA, right? This is nothing but good for the NBA. You know, Giannis Antetokounmpo signs the Supermax. A lot of people thought he should have left. But, you know, he, he, he's a buck for life. Looks like it's going to be. He shows that he's loyal to the franchise. They come out on top. Loyalty is a very important thing. You know, guys like Damian Lillard are going to see that. 
And does that mean guys like Damon Litter are going to possibly stay in Portland instead of trying to get a trade out? You know, you got, got your guys over there. Bradley Beal trying to get out of D.C., it looks like. So, I mean, you know, it's there's a lot of turnover in the NBA, and a Bucks team that stuck to their guns came out on top, and that's definitely something we're not used to saying, seeing in today's NBA, that's for sure. Yeah, I can agree with you there. What the Phoenix Suns had amazing chemistry. That I, I mean, after the road they've been on, like they have not been well for who knows how long. Like I, I mean, I remember as a little kid watching the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash, and uh, I, I'm just looking year after year. The Suns are bottom of the barrel NBA team, and to get back in this position was huge nonetheless, even though they could not come out on top. It was huge just to see them back in, and I think that's going to build confidence for this organization in years to come for this Suns team uh, that they might have a shot to make it back again because the, it, if they keep Devin Booker, I know Chris Paul's getting kind of old, but they keep those pieces in place, add some young talent, who knows? Maybe next year they might be on top. Yeah, I mean, you know, speaking of Chris Paul, he's got that option this offseason. I think it's 32 to 42. Um, he can opt out, um, go put his friend LeBron over with the L.A. Lakers. You know, but, I mean, Phoenix definitely has a lot of young talent. You know, Devin Booker, like I said, you know, a lot of Kobe comparisons being put in there. Devin Booker, definitely one of the best scorers in, in, in today's NBA. DeAndre Aiden had a very, very rough series. Um, a lot of people – you know, kind of talking about him and how he would match up well against uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, but it was just kind of overwhelming for him, man. I, I really do, even though they were a very hungry team, I feel like the light was just a little bit big for them. And, you know, the Bucs had, had a championship back in 71. Um, the Phoenix Suns have never had a championship. So, I mean, you know, they they, they definitely were, were hungry coming into this series. And I think because of Milwaukee sticking to their fundamentals, making the adjustments, and for sure the difference in the series dominating in the paint. You know, that, that was definitely the key factor for Milwaukee with, with strong performance from Giannis Antetokounmpo. Chris Middleton finally come in in his own throughout this playoff series and just lock down defense by Drew Holiday. You know, they kind of lost Dante DiVincenzo earlier throughout the playoffs. Guys like Brian Forbes definitely stepped up. So, like I said, Coach Bud, I finally deleted the fire uh, fire Bud picture out of my phone. He was getting a, getting a, uh, a lot of trash talk from this fan base, and it was nice to see him finally get, get his due props. You know, he had some history with, with the Atlanta Hawks as well. So uh, a lot of people were, were picking Atlanta to come out there, thought that, you know, things were going to be rocking in Georgia and Trey Young and them would take over. But Milwaukee outlasted everybody, man. And, and, and you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo said it best. I, really, I truly do feel, Josh, that the Milwaukee Bucks were built for this. And, you know, to me, it's Eastern Conference Finals or bust next year for them. Yeah, uh, I feel like after um, game – three for the Suns. The Bucks really limited the amount of points the Suns scored in that game. Then game four and five, Devin Booker back to back 40 plus point games. And then in game six, it's one and five to 98 Giannis going off shooting 50 points. So it fluctuated how these two teams played within the series. But I mean, all around a very fun, exciting series. And you can't beat Giannis going live on Instagram, ordering 50 pieces of chicken McNuggets at uh, Chick-fil-A. You know, it's funny you bring that up. Did you happen to catch the article about uh, how much that improved Chick-fil-A stock just that one day alone for him, them going on Instagram live? I did not, but I can imagine it would improve a great deal. 
it, <laughs> it, it, it improved millions and millions. I mean, it, the number was absolutely crazy. I definitely didn't know it off the top of my head, but him going live and, you know, Giannis being Giannis, asking if he could record the girl, definitely a cool moment there. And, I, you know, Josh, a big a big reason that it's so easy for to root for guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo isn't just his dominance, of course, isn't just what he does on the court, but it's what he does off the court. He, he's an absolute class act. He's not one of these guys that likes the media to gravitate towards him. He didn't really start – you know, kind of talking his trash until after the Bucks won. You know, he said, we're built for this. You know, he's used to the bulletin board material. He's used to people not picking Milwaukee because of that, you know, smaller market. You know, we know plenty about that. But um, like I said, it's really easy to root for guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo because of how humble they are. And, you know, just to see his loyalty pay off for the Milwaukee Bucks is definitely a good story. And like I said, absolutely fantastic stuff for the NBA. You know, I, Adam Silver, I'm sure that wasn't the finals that, that he envisioned. But like you said, a very competitive series throughout. And, you know, when it came down to crunch time, I think in games, what was it, games four and five, you know, those last minutes of, of those series or the last minute of both of those games was absolutely crucial. And when it came time to make a play, Giannis, you know, with the block, um, you know, Chris uh, Drew Holiday with the steal and Devin Booker and then leads the alley-oop. You know, it just, like I said, that, that was a very young Suns team. And, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks were built for it. They got better in leadership. You know, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo have, have been together for a very long time. You know, they're, you know, back, back, Chris drafted back in, you know, 2013. So, I mean, you know, loyalty pays off for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, definitely as a fan, it paid off as well. So definitely a good moment for the organization. I, I think, um, Two class act guys, Drew Holiday for um, Phoenix and Giannis for the Bucks. Any way you look at it, it wasn't. It's not like a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant where, yeah, people are just, oh my gosh, these two are the best. I mean these these two in this finals are the most humbling, and it wasn't like all the attention was on this player for such and such reason. I mean, obviously there was a lot of spotlight because of how well these two teams and these players have been playing, but truly humbling guys. And this is what made this NBA finals very unique in comparison to past years. Absolutely. Like I said, it, 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 not, it's not just a smaller market thing, but it's, you know, it, it definitely wasn't the sexy finals that, it, that everybody was hoping for. Right. But, you know, as an, as an NBA fan, it, it, it's best for business. And, you know, Giannis doesn't, you know, very humble guy, not doing all that partying off court. You know, he's a family guy. He really is just focused on basketball and family, and, and that's about it. You know, now all the Antetokounmpo brothers finally have a ring, you know. Um, the other brother who's not on the roster uh, with the L.A. Lakers, he won one last year. So now they can all kind of sit there and not have those awkward talks at dinner. But, yeah, I mean, it was kind of surreal not seeing LeBron there, man. Not going to lie. I mean, you know, and I and I think I think that the Phoenix Suns defeating the L.A. Lakers as early as they did in the NBA playoffs played a big factor because, I mean, you kind of already feel like you, you know, D de- – dethroned the the champs because you did i mean that early in 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 the playoffs and you know it's kind of easy to burn out in seven game series kind of leading all the way to the finals and like i said the the bucks majored in the minors won in the paint and and they didn't do it the sex way but they got it done Giannis and his two brothers have won each in nba finals and they have won before the detroit lions won a super bowl (laughs) i saw that on twitter i i I thought i'd bring that up (laughs) Yeah, poor Detroit fans, man. Oh, yeah, that city's hungry, man. And the Lions, I mean, <laughs> traded their best player, one of their best players in franchise history, and Matthew Stafford is over there in LA now, man. You know, a lot, a lot of cities hungry for a championship. Um, it's, it's nice for Milwaukee to finally be crossed off that list, especially with how close they've come with uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers the last couple seasons. Mm. 
Absolutely. The Milwaukee Bucks take the NBA Finals four games to two in game six, winning 105 to 98. Giannis with 50 points. Hopefully he enjoyed that Chick-fil-A. I'm Josh Kirby. You're listening with Parker Hamlet of Sidelines Sports Network, Sidelines Washington. Find him on Twitter at Parker Hamlet. Don't worry. He's coming back for the next segment. We'll be back talking football right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you about Regroup Building Services. If you're looking to get your home remodeled, any part of your home, bathroom, kitchen, want to get a deck built, anything like that, Regroup Building Services can just about do everything. And take it from me because they came in and they remodeled my family's kitchen and they do a great job. So if you're looking for any sort of home remodeling needs, uh, deck work done, anything of that nature, reach out to my guy, Sean Hibbard, over at Regroup Building Services today. You can check them out on their website, www.regroupbuildingservices.com, where they do the honeydews that your honey don't. Make sure you tell them Josh sent you. Welcome back. Uh, pleased to be joined by friend of the podcast, none other than the voice of the Washington Wizards, Dave Johnson. David, has been, it has been quite some time since the last time we spoke, and a lot of Wizards news has broken over the past couple of days. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing well. I thought I, I must have said something. It's been too long since we've, we've uh, connected, and it, it is great to be with you, and I, and I just love following uh, first of all, not just because you sent me a free hat, but I uh, love following all the guests you continue to have on this. And this is the place to to just find some great discussion about DMV sports. Uh, I really, I really appreciate the kind words. So the Washington Wizards uh, make their head coach selection after not being able to retain Scott Brooks after five seasons. Um, I think he did a pretty good job, but this coaching move, I think we'll have an impact on the team. It's none other than Wes Unsell Jr. And not too long, it just seems like not too long ago, we were mourning the loss of the great Wes Unsell. And his son makes his return back to the Washington Wizards. And I think it's incredible. Um, a Bullets legend in Wes Unsell and his son is taking over the reins for this Washington Wizards team. Dave, I want to get your thoughts um, after emceeing the um, introductory press conference, um, what the atmosphere was like and what the mood is mov- moving forward for the Washington Wizards. Well, it was, first of all, for me, it was a very emotional day as uh, I've known Wes, uh, you know, going back to, you know, before he was ever with the franchise. And uh, obviously, Wes Unsell Sr.'s father is one of the finest human beings I will ever meet. Uh, in my life, and and you know, part of that emotion is that you know it was a sad day that uh, a, a year ago, last summer, when, when we lost to West Unsell Senior, who, you know, not only what he did for the franchise as one of the fifty greatest players, uh, a six eight guy who played uh, with a large heart and much you know bigger in, in size than he really was, uh, delivered an NBA title to Washington D.C., but also somebody that cared about people that made an incredible difference uh, in, in whatever community he was involved in. And, and uh, some people might not realize that because he was not 
someone that said, well, look at me, look what I'm doing to help you. He just did it. Uh, and and uh, again, that's that's to me what the unselled name means. It's it's about strength. It's about uh, you know character. It's it's about uh, community service. They still run the unselled school uh, in in Baltimore. And his, his wife Connie was at the press West Unselled Senior's wife, West Unselled Junior's mother. Connie was at the press conference. West's sister Kim was there. Uh, so as I gazed out. On them, I, I realized what a significant day it was given a year ago. Uh, it, it was so sad to say goodbye to West Unsell Senior, but you know, wow, what emotion when a year later he's with the franchise, entrusted with being the head coach of the franchise that his father did everything for, made such a big part of his life, not only as a player, as a coach, as a general manager, did whatever at the time owner Abe Pullen asked him to do. He helped. Uh, get the the deal done for what is now Capital One Arena, as he worked with with people in the city. So um, the unsold name and the Wizards are are as strongly linked as the the, the strength and, and and character of West Unsold Senior himself. Um, so it, it was an emotional day, uh, to and to to know that this is not about he's hired because he's the unsold name, he's hired because he went about things in the unsold way. With, with hard work, determination, a 24 year journey doing everything you could possibly imagine uh, from, from scouting, various personnel jobs, assistant coach, and to now head coach. Yeah, uh, absolutely incredible to hear that the unselled name is living on. So Dave, you've been with this team all season, the highs and the lows, the Westbrook wall trade, the whole night. This team was projecting an 0.5 chance of making the playoffs, which they did. Russell Westbrook, the amount of triple-doubles he had this season was incredible, remarkable. And this just goes to show this Wizards franchise, they haven't been the best, but there is rebuilding, and it looks like after seeing them make the playoffs, seeing what Russell Westbrook can do, just a couple more pieces. And Wes Unsell Jr. is another piece to this rebuilding franchise to get the Wizards where they want to be back at the top. Well, that's an encouraging thing. I mean, uh, we need to remember he's he's inheriting a playoff team. I understand the season was rocky in so many ways, but it, it was and is uh, a playoff team with with you know, incredible cornerstones and, and Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. And, and we you know, mentioned Scott Brooks. Uh, again, it was just a situation that decided to go in a, a different direction. It, there was no offer ever given to Scott Brooks, but for five years, uh, he did so much for this franchise, including under incredible circumstances or, or difficult circumstances with a COVID season, with you know, everyone sequestered on the road. There was nothing normal, nothing easy about the season that, that we just completed. And yet uh, he was able to guide a team in the playoffs, which says that there, there's good character guys that Tommy Shepard, the general manager assembled on the roster. And that, and, and Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a good character guy. So what I'm saying is it, he comes into a culture that right away, he doesn't have to clean up. The culture is good. So that means Wes Unsell Jr. can just go to work on making it a better basketball team um, and putting his footprint on it. He doesn't have to, to clean up issues uh, in the locker room. 
this is this is a, a solid team. And you know, Wes said it. He doesn't believe that they're that far away. Um, you know, you get some good health, good luck with a Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal thrown in the mix. You can contend the Eastern Conference. So uh, I know the NBA Finals, as we're speaking right now, Dave, have not completed yet. But I, I mean, this Wizards team, like I just mentioned, they're on the path to rebuilding. What in your mind do you think the Wizards need to do? What pieces do you think they should add in order to make this rebuilding team an Eastern Conference contender? Well, that's, I mean, I, I think they need, you know, more scoring from the wing. I, I think they need, um, again, we're talking about, you know, somebody that can, can bring a, a defensive uh, impact the team if, if it's possible that you can find uh, that that kind of player that, that has the dog in him, if you will, or, or um, can can you know help elevate other people around him on, on, on defense. You know, these are uh, it, it's not an easy question because uh, you know, Tommy Shepard's done a wonderful job in in trading. You think about the acquisition of Daniel Gafford. Um, you know, the drafting of Rui Hachimura, the drafting of Denny Avdia. Um, and I think that's also going to be part of the answer is that we've not seen, you know, Denny Avdia in a, in a full healthy season. Rui Hachimura is continuing to go uh, from strength to strength. What's it going to be like a full year with, with Daniel Gafford in, in, in the mix? Is if you know, Thomas Bryant will be healthy. Uh, and, and, you know, that was a big part of, you know, why the Wizards struggled out of the gate, losing Thomas Bryant early in the season was certainly an impact. Um, so it, it's not an easy question because this is not a team that, that um, you know, has a lot of room under the salary cap. You're, you're not going to go out and get a big name free agent. So you, you, and you're picking 15th in the draft. And that means you can get a good player. But if you look at the mock drafts that are out there, uh, uh, there's anyone, another six or seven players that people are projecting the Wizards to take. So, it's it's a difficult uh, question to be specifically answered, but you know again as I said, uh, some scoring from the wing, uh, you know, a wing defender, um, and there's probably 28 other NBA teams that are looking for the same thing, but the Wizards are, are certainly in that boat. Absolutely, talking to Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. Find him on Twitter at Dave J Sports. He is one of the best. Dave, um, I I just want to um go off sort of randomly this season was probably one of the more interesting seasons, maybe even last season too. In your mind, what was it like calling wizards games off of a TV monitor? Because I know you had to make some adjustments with your broadcasting and stuff due to the protocols in this pandemic going on. So what was that like for you not being with the team traveling to away games, but calling games off a monitor? Well, it was, you know, you do something one way for 20 some years. It, it was, it was, it was definitely different. It was, it, it, it was strange, uh, you know, going to uh, an empty arena to call a game being played in another um, arena. But I, I think it was just, it, it, we were just so blessed to be able, starting with the NBA's back tournament or the NBA, you know, summer, uh, summer of 2020 to be able to, do games because at least that was a sign we're going forward as a society. We can't, we couldn't stay closed up uh, much longer. We needed to get out. We needed to do things um, safely, of course, but we needed to, you know, start showing signs of 
forward progress are, are figuring out how to show those signs. So uh, it, it, there, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's never going to be um, as you know easy if you're when I say easy. Uh, there's challenges when you're trying to you call a game off a monitor. You're you're not necessarily seeing every substitution, or you're not seeing the whole court as you're able to describe it uh, to listeners at, at home. So there's there's as, as, as wonderful as the video technology is, nothing beats the naked eye actually seeing it right in front of you. So, um, but the only thing you can do is be appreciative of the fact that you call games, and and you hope that the listener doesn't. Uh, Feel that you're you're having difficulty. It, it's it's not the listener's fault, or, or something for them to worry about. It's for for me to adjust to and Glenn Concert, my partner, and and just work through it and make it happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, all season we watched and listened to you, not only with DC United because you do that also, but the Washington Wizards, and you have done amazing, incredible things. Once again, Dave Johnson, find him on Twitter at Dave J sports right here on the Kirby on sports podcast. Dave, we appreciate your time coming on talking about West Sunset jr. As always, I appreciate the time for sports fans living in condominium and homeowners associations, as well as business professionals. When you need a reserve study PM plus reserves has been in business since 1990. Their studies are accurate and easy to understand. Check them out when your association needs a study, www.pmplusreserves.com. You can also contact them at 703-803-8436. Once again, www.pmplusreserves.com. Is it finally time to upgrade your home's interior? How about with an authentic farm table made locally from recycled barn wood? Shenandoah Primitives, based right here in Winchester, Virginia, makes farm tables, benches, tables, coffee tables, and a long list of other items for your home decorating needs. At Shenandoah Primitives, function and style are combined for great furniture that will last generations. If you're interested in combining the industrial look of metal with wood or considering something incredibly unique with a live edge, Shenandoah Primitives turns those ideas into reality. Thinking about a mirror, wine rack, or other accent piece for your home, Shenandoah Primitives can assist with that as well. As a local small business, Shenandoah Primitives is happy to work with each client for a custom design or schedule an appointment to come out and view current inventory. Local high quality handmade items can be found at Shenandoah Primitives. Find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit us at www.shenandoahprimitives.com. Once again, that's www.shenandoahprimitives.com. You're tuned into the Kirby on Sports podcast back with Parker Hamlet, host of Sidelines Washington Football on the Sidelines Sports Network. Hey, uh, I mean, we're not just talking NBA finals. If we have the legend of Parker Hamlet on, we're talking NFL. We're talking football. Training camp is approaching very soon. 
I know fans are excited. There's an extra week added into the NFL season. The Super Bowl is now the second Sunday in February due to that extended week. Fans are excited. Players are excited. I mean, before we get into it, though, a lot of um, controversy floating around. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to get political at all. I'm not going to share my stance or anything. But uh, the vaccine is sort of, in a way, tearing people apart over this because you have the players who are vaccinated can do whatever they want. You have the NFL guidelines for unvaccinated players, and you don't have as much freedom. And I I mean, obviously, I feel like this pandemic, we're turning a corner and hopefully we will get through this soon. But still, it's something we have to worry about here. And I'll I'll let you share your thoughts in a minute on this, Parker. But uh, Vikings assistant O-line coach actually departs over the COVID-19 vaccine, which I mean, you you know, some people are going to agree. Some people are going to disagree with what happened. But I mean, Um, guidelines are in place for the NFL and players, um, for vaccinated players and unvaccinated players. And I, I feel like there should have been something implemented with coaches as well. If you're a vaccinated coach, if you're an unvaccinated coach in the NFL, certain guidelines should apply. I I mean, I feel like this is kind of harsh, but I mean, still something we got to worry about with this COVID-19 pandemic still. Absolutely. And, you know, I definitely have the same stance on you as you do as far as like not wanting to go too far into what I think about all of it. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I will definitely say this. Um, I'm someone that had to get vaccinated for my job. There are a lot of people out in the workforce working everyday jobs, you know, the little people, you know, you and I both know about that. I mean, a lot of those people are having to get vaccinated. And, you know, because of that, it's it's definitely something you want to take into consideration when you talk about the scale. You don't want to see anybody lose their job over choosing not to put something in their body. I've definitely one have never looked at anyone differently based off of their stance on the vaccine. I, I don't think that that's a fair thing to do at the end of the day. That's your personal choice at the end of the day. Um, as, as far as regards to the Washington football team, they're one of the best teams in the national football league last year, as far as, you know, percentages and outbreaks and, and stuff of that nature. So Ron Rivera and them handled the situation very well last year. Um, I know he's urging players to get vaccinated. I know that at training camp, they're going to be offering free vaccinations. I don't know if that's the players, but I know it's definitely for the fans. So, I mean, this is all something that it's very hard to pass judgment in any capacity because, I mean, who really foresaw these circumstances, you know, a couple years back, you know, this being a situation that the NFL would have to deal with. I mean, in a post-COVID world, there's going to be a lot of acclimation, a lot of trial runs, and certainly a lot of error. But you certainly hate, Josh, to see anybody lose their job over that choice. Yeah, because I feel like, to me, that there should have been guidelines for unvaccinated coaches because, absolutely. I I mean, especially for the Minnesota Vikings and – they're rebuilding and to let go of their O-line assistant. It just sort of didn't make sense to me because, it, you know, the Vikings, they got to protect that asset and Kirk Cousins. We all know expensive asset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, expensive is right. And to, to let go of him, I mean, I, I mean, take it how it is, but I feel like there should be different guidelines implemented for coaches as the NFL did for players. I do like. I will say I do like that teams would have to forfeit if there is a COVID outbreak because of an unvaccinated player. I'm going to agree with that because I feel like um, players need to be safe. If they're not vaccinated, just follow the rules. Okay. Just don't be out there like, 
Oh, yeah, I, I forget who this was, but somebody was like, I'm not going to get vaccinated, and if I lose my job over it, I mean, it Sounds is like Cole Beasley is. talk. Sounds yeah, like Cole, Cole Beasley talk. Yes, me. correct. Thank you for jogging my mind there. But still, I mean, I, I mean, stuff like that, if you're going to be vocal like that, I mean, then in just break the rules, if you're one of those players, then I totally agree. You should forfeit. But if you're following the rules, staying safe, if you're not vaccinated, then there shouldn't be anything to worry about. But I mean, that's one thing I can agree with. I just hope it doesn't happen happen to Washington. I actually said that on the podcast on, on this week's side of Washington's about to drop as well. I definitely hope that's not a situation that we will have to deal with. I, I think coach Rivera showed with the Dwayne Haskins situation that he is going to handle any form of playing that protocol protocol very swiftly. And I don't think forfeits are, are, are harsh. You, you have a lot of people saying that they are, you look back last year, the entire Tennessee Titans situation, you know, that, that team definitely should have been handed some forfeits for how they handled COVID protocol. It, it affected a lot of scheduling with the NFL and just the way that the organization handled it was absolutely careless. So I, I don't think that that's harsh at all. I think if people aren't going to take it seriously, then definitely be ready to face the ramifications for it. But as far as NFL and their congruency and, and their policy on, you know, vaccinated, unvaccinated players, you, you do have situations where very outspoken players are not going to get cut and punished. I just, I kind of wish there was a little bit more consistency. It just kind of feels like some people are being overly punished kind of harshly for, for, for their stance while others are getting to keep their jobs and kind of just be, you know, say it's not a, say it's a HIPAA violation. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, of course there, but I mean, that that's our two cents on that before we actually get into the juicy football talk. So let's actually move on to some actual football talk because I'm looking forward to the NFL. I sure I I'm sure you are as well, Parker. So uh, first and foremost, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers obviously winning the Super Bowl. They have their core 22 back for another season. That's definitely going to help them out if they want to go back to back. Tom Brady, we all know him, but reports are going around. Um, you might know more than me on this, but I saw on Twitter that one person said Washington has the best shot to dethrone Tampa Bay from the NFC. I, you know, I think it was uh, Samuel H.O. or Ako. I, I don't quite know how to pronounce his last name, but um, I do remember him, him saying that. I think him and Jeff Saturday got into it on, on live TV about it. I definitely don't feel like it's this crazy proclamation. I mean, I don't know about you, but I went back and watched that wild card game definitely plenty of times. I, I try to find little nuggets here and there as far as, you know, Heineke's level of play and, and what he could possibly bring the offense in, in this upcoming season. I don't think it's a crazy thing to say that Washington has the best chance of knocking them off. I mean, you know, you saw the level of pressure that guys like Deron Payne had throughout that game. Imagine if you got it like Matthew Ioannidis in there, you know, um, imagine if you had Ryan Fitzpatrick playing a quarterback and I'm not saying that Taylor Heineke, you know, weighed that team down. If, if anything, he was definitely the, the best part of the team's overall performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but you can't name anybody throughout that entire playoff stretch that gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a run for their money more than the Washington football team. So you add maybe a little bit more veteran leadership at, at at, um, the quarterback position, maybe you have a, a healthier Antonio Gibson, you have some healthier anterior to defensive lineman depth. Um, you know, the defense definitely was, was the thing that brought down the Washington football team throughout most of that game. So they go out and they get William Jackson, the third, um, you know, you, you got everybody returning back healthy. You, you, Jack Del Rio has all of the weapons he could possibly ask for at his arsenal. Getting Landon Collins back healthy as well. So, I mean, it, you have a Washington football team at full force, not Alex Smith on one leg. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think maybe things could have fared a little bit differently there. Uh, maybe, maybe they just didn't game plan for Heineke enough and underestimated the Washington football team. I feel like underestimating the Washington football team was a trend throughout the National Football League last year. But, you know, certainly when you, when you look at it on paper, you know, I can't tell you a much better returning team than, like you said, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have all of their starters returning, which I think is the first time in the Super Bowl era that that has actually occurred. So definitely an impressive feat. You know, they all got their rings this week and look pretty good over there. Bruce Arians and the coach staff look, look to repeat. And, and, and who says they can't? Why can't they? You know, you get Leonard Fournette and that running game going. You got Tom Brady and his veteran leadership. You got all those receivers turning. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans you know, uh, Antonio Brown, you got all those weapons of tight end. And, and don't even get me started on the defense who absolutely took over Patrick Mahomes, and that Kansas City Chiefs team in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I, I, my, my thing is why can't the Washington football team do it, you know? Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. I, I could agree with that there. So I um I, I want to talk other stuff before we shift back to Washington. So um the New York Giants, um. I feel like yeah, I'm going to stick in the NFC East here. I feel like um, this training camp is going to be huge for the Giants because Daniel Jones is a, another year under the Giants' belt, and the Giants gave Washington a really big issue. And I uh, I hate to say this, Parker. You might punch me in the face for saying this, but <laughs> I think the Giants have the best shot to win the NFC East this year. That's my opinion based off what I've seen last year. I feel like they're growing. They used to be terrible, absolutely atrocious. And this Washington football team who could have beat the Giants twice and lost, I mean, I, I really feel like the New York Giants have it in them this year. I don't know about I, the rest of the East, but I mean, I think the Giants, if the rest of the East is terrible, the Giants have the best shot. You know, that is a big reason that I'm going to be there week two. Because to me, you, you talk about Cowboys and Indians, you can talk about Dirty Birds versus football team. You, you can say whatever you want. But the new rivalry in, in the NFC East is the Washington football team, the New York football Giants. And, and I think a lot of that is attributed to Coach Joe Judge, who, who comes in over from New England, kind of establishes that no-bullshit attitude, coaches these guys up. And there's a lot of games that you could argue they could have won last year. And, you know, who knows if they squeak into the playoffs. They barely lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the regular season. Maybe they would have given them a run for their money. But to me, you know, you look at the free agency class, Josh. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. You bring in Kenny Galladay. You know, last year they got James Bradbury. Um, you know, I mean, they, they've made all the right moves. But all this really lies, you know, the draft as well. You got Kadarius Toney, you know, a, a big playmaker. I know Urban Meyer wasn't too happy he couldn't reunite with him. But, you know, uh, the, the entire X factor for the upcoming season for the New York football Giants is a man that has definitely had the Washington football team's number, and that's Daniel Jones. Um, Daniel Jones got to clean up. You know, last year, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Um, I think he had almost 20 turnovers. I mean, his, his, his number of fumbles or just turnovers in general was just absolutely ridiculous. It, it completely weighed the team down. Um, it, you know, it, it would also help if he wasn't falling down in open field by running in for an easy score. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I'm not exactly the biggest Daniel Jones guy. Honestly, if you want me to be honest with you, Josh, I feel like they kind of drafted him to spite us at six overall. He definitely has not lived up to that bill. You're going to have a lot of people that kind of have his number. I, I do personally feel, and you, I'll go on record and say this, and I've said this on other shows, I really do feel like we kind of got our quarterback dilemma out of the way early by getting rid of Dwayne. I feel like the Giants are kind of stretching it out. I really don't feel like Daniel Jones is a long-term answer for the New York Giants. And after this year, they're going to have an easy out. This, this is a, a nut up or shut up year for Daniel Jones. You know, yeah, he could beat the Washington football team, but the question is, can he beat anybody else? 
The Dallas Cowboys improving on their defense in the draft and free agency. You, you have that incredible talent from Penn State. Um, name blank me there. The name absolutely. Micah Parsons. Yeah, Micah Parsons. I was thinking guys Saquon. a stud. I was thinking Saquon Barkley because we were just talking about the Giants. But yes, of course, it's uh, he's an absolute talent. The Dallas Cowboys are looking to rebuild, starting with that defense. They get a healthy Dak Prescott back. In your mind, how do you think the Dallas Cowboys are going to fare this year? On paper, uh, you, you look at the roster across the board. People are going to say Washington football team, Washington football team, Washington football team. I, I would definitely be lying if I told you I was not vying for Dak's services once he was a free agent. I think Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback in this league. I think he's earned his own. I think he's one of the best locker room leaders across the National Football League. If Zeke can clean up his fumbling problems, they get Tyron Smith and some of this offensive linebacker. And, and don't even get me started on the, you know, the wide receiving core they have. You know, you got Amari Cooper, CeeDee Land, Michael Gallup, who's one of the more underrated receivers in the league. I mean, you, you, you've got possibly a top five offense. I mean, before Dak went down with this just horrific ankle, ankle injury, I mean, you know, Dak's on almost, some would say, an MVP kind of tear. I mean, the, the pace that he was on was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he had almost 4,000 passing yards in like four or five games. I mean, it, it, it was absolutely ridiculous, just the numbers he was putting up, passing like 340 yards a game. I mean, I, I don't remember the exact numbers and kind of drawing a blank there, but, I mean, his numbers were absolutely ridiculous for him went down with injury. You know, I, I do feel like they definitely would have been in the running for the NFC East had they had a healthy Dak Prescott. But, you know, if they clean up their, their woes on the offensive side of the ball with, with, with the turnovers – and Dan Quinn, who was one of the, at one point one of the best defensive minds in the National Football League, you know, lost his head coaching position over at the Atlanta Falcons. If he comes over, bringing over guys like Demonte KZ, Keanu Neal, and then of course they draft just the absolute phenom in, in regards to athletic ability, Micah Parsons, and then you got Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith. I mean, you have just a, a, a an abundance of wealth at the linebacker position. Not so much at the defensive line, but they'll definitely try to figure that out with guys like Alden Smith. I think if if you bring in a coach and uh, a coaching staff that you know definitely is tuned from last year, maybe Mike, Mike McCarthy learned his lesson a little bit, and definitely a humbling year. I don't see why the Dallas Cowboys can't be in the running either. The Philadelphia Eagles that Week Seventeen game. It was any way you look at it, it was just crazy to watch Washington win the division. Obviously, a lot of stuff to work on. They fired Doug Peterson, bringing the Colts um, coach. I'm not sure how much experience he will bring in his first year, but there are some kinks to work out for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Nick Sirianni. Kind of a, I've heard very early. I'm sure you've read some of the same reports or heard from some some people about this. He doesn't seem like he has the locker room very early on, and I think a lot of that is attributed to Doug Peterson and what he did for this organization, bringing them their first Super Bowl. And you know, you have that conundrum with with him and quarterback Carson Wentz, who got, got a huge payday and just had not played up to the level of that price tag. You know, some some say that they would have been in the same position if they were in 2017 without Nick Foles at the helm. I, I just seem to disagree with that. I just think that Carson Wentz and he needs to start majoring in the minors, learn to clean up those turnovers and have a more refined game as an NFL quarterback. And he can have some longevity in the league. And I mean, I can't really tell you a better situation for him to go do that in than the Indianapolis Colts with Frank Reich, you know, a little bit of a reunion there. But as far as the Eagles concerned, Josh, I, it's hard for me to believe in them. I, I, you know, you hear a lot of reports, you know, especially within the last week that the Eagles are buying very hard for Deshaun Watson services. People saying he has a court date coming up probably early next year. Not a lot of people expect him to be on the field. I don't really think the organization believes much in Jalen Hurts. We're always told about Miles Sanders this, Miles Sanders that. Um, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles definitely win in the trenches, and that's for sure. But this definitely, I think we can all agree, looks like a rebuilding year for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Absolutely. Parker, before we talk Washington football, I want to get your thoughts on other teams in the National Football League. Who do you think will have a good training camp? Who do you think will emerge to try to get into the playoffs? Uh, uh, who's on your radar besides Washington? So a, a, a team that I really would like to discuss, it, just because I feel like they don't get a lot of attention, is led by a quarterback that the Washington football team had a chance to select with the second overall pick. I'm certainly glad that Chase Young ended up in Burgundy gold. Don't get it twisted. But Justin Herbert and the Chargers are going to be a problem, especially for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, um, Justin Herbert has got some very big praise from Drew Brees this last week, talking about his poise and how he's already kind of carrying himself like a franchise quarterback. And, you know, you know, as people remember, you know, Herbert and the team ended up on the wrong side of history, falling short with Anthony Lynn over there. But, you know, Herbert and Mahomes, man, going neck and neck. They really are. I mean, they really were. And I think he's going to give the Chiefs some fits for years to come. And I think I think the Chargers that finally struck gold. I mean, you know, Herbert wouldn't have even found his way in the lineup if a team doctor did mess up with Tyrod Taylor. But I definitely don't think that the, I definitely don't think the organization is complaining because it looks like they got the guy at quarterback. So I, I think one of my dark horses for the upcoming season is certainly the uh, the Chargers. Yeah, and that's who Washington faces week one. I, I agree wait. with you. I was going to say that as well, because I feel like Herbert and I mean, the Chargers are on the up and coming. No doubt about it. And this week one matchup can straight up be a test for this Washington football team on whether they're built for the challenge or it, this could be a turning point week one straight off the bat. It, absolutely. I mean, that, that was one of the biggest games. I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons I, I definitely wanted to, to attend the game is, you know, you know, last year we had uh, Joe Burrow versus Chase Young when the Bengals took on the Washington football team. I feel like this is kind of the similar matchup this year. You got, you know, two players that the Washington football team had a chance to get. You know, you're always going to have that crowd to say we should have took quarterback, whatever. But at the end of the day, Chase Young ended up showing that he was a great investment for the Washington football team, a generational talent. And, you know, it looks like it'd be the same case with Justin Herbert. And, you know, they're cooking with grease over there at the Chargers facility. And, you know, like I said, just the poise, you know, coming out of Oregon, I definitely was a doubter of Justin Herbert. But he comes in and just shows elite arm strength, accuracy. I mean, he, he has everything you could possibly ask for in a quarterback. And I, like you said, that is going to be a hell of a test for Jack Del Rio in this defense come week one. Absolutely. We will dive into Washington football right after this word from Dr. Dave Miles. Hey, sports fans. Thank you for listening to and supporting the Kirby on Sports podcast with founder and host Josh Kirby, along with lead contributor Dan Dembski. Like, subscribe, and give them a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast from. My name is Dr. Dave Miles, founder of Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation. Our company helps leaders build engaged and productive teams. Exclusively for listeners of the Kirby on Sports podcast, you can take an opportunity to discover your primary communication style and learn more about effective communication with others. Text Kirby to 757-903-0743 for your free copy of the Working From Home Communication Assessment where you'll learn your primary communication style, how to better communicate with others not like you, and tips on working remotely based on your personal communication style. 10 minutes, tons of resources, learn about yourself and your team. Again, text Kirby to 757-903-0743 for your free assessment report today. I'm Dr. Dave Miles, founder of Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation, where we help you and your team be more engaged and productive by understanding each other better. 
Back to you, Josh. All right. Thank you once again to Dr. Dave Miles and Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation. Back with you with Parker Hamlet of Sidelines Washington on the Sidelines Sports Network. All right, Parker, it's time to talk Washington football. The, the, uh, oh, I feel so <laughs> So, okay. Uh, okay. I, I've prefaced this on about every time I talk about my podcast. And the fact of the matter is, the Washington football team has basically been through hell and back. It, it, that's the analogy I'm going to use now. And they're, they're looking pretty good. Their leadership, Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, Ron Rivera. I, I think it's really good to see them make a change to this organization. The front office scandal, another thing comes out, Dan Snyder gets fined and his wife gets promoted. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how much that's going to affect anything. I know fans are upset. I know people are upset about that. But, I mean, all the drama, all the stuff, I think it's finally time to turn the page to this upcoming season. And I think that's going to start with training camp. Even before um, getting into training camp, I mean, the experience has changed 180%. You see this Washington football team, and they want – the fans' perspective, and I know you can talk more about the fan ambassador network. I'd love to hear more about that because I know one of your co-hosts is actually one of the fan ambassadors. But I mean, I don't think I've seen this when with any other NFL team, and to see the Washington football team make this type of change, I mean, do, I mean, not even looking at their team on paper, just how they're improving the experience. For the fans to come back and, you know, like the football team and support them. Because I, I, I'll tell you, back in the day when the Washington football team, the then Redskins, were absolutely atrocious. I remember one game. It was, I, I just will never, this will never leave my memory. They were playing the Chiefs and they were getting absolutely destroyed at FedEx Field. And you saw the stadium. It was Chiefs fans. I was at a Washington football team versus Minnesota Vikings games when Mo Harris made that incredible one-handed catch. When the Vikings ended up winning that game, Vikings fans doing the skull clap. And that's been a mindset I've seen from the Washington football team. They attract other teams' fans because that's how bad the Washington football team was. So to see this... And to see the Washington football team switch gears, make it more fan-friendly, get the fans' opinions, start the fan ambassador network, that's one small piece to the big puzzle the Washington football team is improving on. I think 180 is definitely the best way to describe it. And, you know, you talk about fans taking over stadiums. I mean, that's still kind of a, no a knocking joke with FedEx. You know, people joke about the turf. But, uh, you know, I, I think back to 2016, um, we played the Dallas Cowboys pretty early in the season. You know, that was Alfred Morris coming back, uh, hitting, the, hitting the home run celebration on us. I, there were definitely more Cowboys jerseys in FedEx than there were Washington football team jersey. And, and, and that's a rivalry game, man. And, you know, we're talking about a content, like from a content creator standpoint, right? You look at, la you look at the last couple of off seasons, just it's been absolutely tumultuous it just kind of like teams at one point and because of everybody they have up front being jason wright julie donaldson all that 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 shadow work that they're doing 
is going to translate to the field. Having overall better fan experience is going to lead to just higher morale and FedEx for the player, just for everybody involved. I mean, it's it's been absolutely cataclysmic, everything that they've changed, you know, just to go from pretty much the laughing stocks of the NFL to now one of the seems like a team that's actually kind of getting some universal respect. And, you know, I don't know about you, Josh, but I, I kind of really do associate now. First of all, I respect I respect everything that's happened for the watch football team from like a history standpoint up to this point. But at the end of the day, I associate the rebranding with kind of like turning the page. You know, it, it feels like a culture change. It, it, it feels like some some brighter days are finally coming at FedEx and wherever they finally decide to do the new stadium, you know, wherever that's going to be. Definitely hope it's in D.C. or Virginia in some capacity. That'd be a little bit more convenient for you and I. But like you said, man, it's it, it's been an absolutely crazy change just to hear how people were talking about the watch football team, you know, a, a year ago compared to now. And, 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 you know, from a content creator standpoint, knowing people within the organization, knowing other people that, that are passionate about this team, like you and myself, it's definitely a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And not even looking at that, looking at the team they've put together, you've seen last year from all the drama and they end up winning the division in one of the worst divisions in football. You have players on the up and coming chase young, I mean, their quarterback con- uh, situation was incredible. I mean, Alex Smith, we all know his story. Taylor Heineke against the Bucks. I mean, we all know this. And these players chase you on the defense, Montez Sweat. I mean, Washington's defense on paper for years was bad. And this is the first year that the Washington defense looked incredible. And I feel like they can build on that um, in training camp in this and in this upcoming season, the new additions, William Jackson, the third, um, you got Diami Brown. I, I like that pickup. I mean, I, I think that was an underdog pickup in my it's opinion. A fan favorite. Direct. Yeah. I really liked it. I really did. But, um, um, that new, uh, Linebacker Jameen Davis, I wasn't expecting that, but it was better than drafting a, another quarterback in the first round. But, I mean, all these new additions, and I know you're going down to um, training camp, Parker. What are you looking out for in training camp to watch what this Washington football team does? So, I'll be honest with you, it, 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 it's a mixture of on the field and off the field stuff. Like I said, I mean, you just look at you look at the timeline kind of leading up to this point, you know, with not having fans. You know, last, you know, last offseason, we're talking Darius guys, Dwayne Haskins, you know, Rivera gets cancer. The team starts off bad. And just to see this complete shift it is I see how all this translates to the overall fan experience. Because, you know, there's going to be COVID protocol in place at camp. You're not going to be able to have some of these intimate experiences you have with players. Not sure how they're going to handle all that at the VIP section. Something I want to kind of get your opinion on because I've been kind of paying attention to this. You know, uh, Matthew Paris asked President, Team President Jason Wright about how they're going to handle, you know, people wearing older merchandise. And, you know, I, I think that that's something that the Washington football team is going to be paying attention to at training camp. What do you think about that? Well, I have most of the old merchandise and I'm going to keep it. There's no way I'm throwing it away. I spent literally 70 bucks on the salute to service one, the one with the patch on the side that was like up top on the hoodie. I was like, this is a dope hoodie. I'm just going to not care about what my bank account looks like after that. (laughs) Every, every year I buy a sideline hat. I've had, I've had a, I have a couple of them. I mean, those nice new era fitted hats. I'm like, I, I mean, I have a lot of gear. I have jerseys still. I'm not giving that up. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if Washington 
puts together a program. I know this is two separate things, but the New England Patriots did like a jersey swap out program for when Aaron Hernandez went into the system for Chargers did it when they left San Diego. Yeah, yeah, that too. I would not be surprised if they did something like that. But still, all that memorabilia, this is different in my mind, probably in your mind. The all the old logos, um, attributes to memories we have as fans that old logo i remember rg3 running up the sidelines against minnesota the uh, run the table year making it to the um wild card game beating dallas twice that rg3 season i mean kirk cousins even taking washington to the playoffs one year that old logo represents memories in my opinion that i'm gonna cherish i mean uh, I've seen people in where I'm from wear the old logo and nobody gets offended. So, I mean, nobody. It, I mean, if you still want to wear it, I mean, that's fine. But I mean, if you don't want to give it up, store it away, maybe it might be worth some money one day. But I mean, to uh, all in all, to answer your question, Parker, I feel like they could do some sort of program where they turn it in and you get something in return or something like that. But yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. If fans wear old stuff into the stadium, if I, I don't know what that's going to be like, but uh, I, I couldn't, uh, I could see that happening, but I mean, another question I'll put back on you, Parker, I'm looking at the Washington um, site on nflshop.com. Some of their merchandise they have put out is very, very interesting. I, you know, my co-host Rhea Robinson actually had Julie Donaldson on and he was very blunt with her about it. You know, like, yeah. do you see some of this merchandise? Cause man, and you can't really fault it. Cause I mean, not only that, but we're in a transition period. Right. And you know, let, I, honestly, I think fans not being there was good for the organization because they have time to kind of tear everything down, kind of make the acclamations they need to get to me or that make the acclamations that they need to make. You know, to me, keeping the burgundy and gold kind of shows that you obviously want to respect the history of the team and people are going to wear that merchandise, whether you like it or not. To me, that's just a, a storm that you have to weather. But man, yeah, I definitely can't disagree with you there. I'm very selective of what merchandise I have purchased. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm hesitant to buy a lot of it because come to early 2022, we're going to have a new name. Well, I, I had to hop on the bandwagon just by the... um white Washington hat. I thought that was pretty nice. And the Washington football team shirt. And I was like, you know, they changed their name and I just got to have it. And if they change their name again, it's just another piece in the timeline. So, you know, it's just one way to get fans money in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, I mean, as far as on the field things I'll be looking at at training camp, um, I'm very, you know, you talk about Jamin Davis, that that's a guy I'm definitely gonna have my eye on. See where, uh, you know, Coach Del Rio has him lined up, whether it be Sam, Mike, you know, apparently they said he's going to have a very versatile role. You know, we, we were talking about Michael Parsons earlier. A lot of people thought that maybe he would fall for the Washington football team, but apparently this coach's staff and everybody up front wanted Jamin Davis every step of the way. You, you go back and watch how versatile he was at Kentucky. Certainly can't blame them. I was there for the draft party at FedEx. I was very underwhelmed by the pick. I'm a very well-noted Notre Dame fan. I was very – I was hoping we were going to get JOK, but, you know, after kind of looking – at, at Jamin Davis's game, seeing him warrant a lot of, you know, comparisons to guys like Darius Leonard, who's about to probably get the biggest, the biggest payout in, in NFL linebacker history. I certainly can't be, can't be mad with the pick. Um, going to be watching the quarterback position. You know, my co-host Adam Aniba over the Burgundy and Goal Report. He, he, he says that he really does feel like Heineke has a better chance to be a starter going to week one than a lot of people feel like. And Heineke's had a hell of an offseason transformation. 
Um, you know, my, my guy over the Big Douglas show, we were, me and him were talking about Antonio Gibson opting to not get that 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 foot operated on. You know, is he going to be at 100 percent? Lana Collins coming back from injury, you know, seeing how the fans react to Chase Young. There's just so many moving parts with everything because of how much change there's been and, and add in with the COVID year. It's just, it, it, it's, it's a big leap. And I'm very interested to see how all this translates as far as the fan experience and what we see at training camp in Richmond, which hopefully isn't our last year, but it definitely looks like it might be. Yeah. I mean, the quarterback situation is going to be one to look out for, for sure, because you have Ryan Fitzpatrick. If he's the starter, we know he can do good things and some bad things. If you end up throwing Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke starting, you have a veteran who's been on so many different teams, knows so many different systems in Ryan Fitzpatrick to help them along the way. So I feel like that's a win-win situation. Yeah, for sure. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is definitely, I, I think I was listening to Logan Paulson. I, I want to say it was like the Burgundy zone a while back. Um, talking about how he kind of had to learn some playbooks really quick. And, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick being a Harvard graduate, that's definitely never been a problem for, for him. You know, with him being with almost pretty much every team in the NFL up to this point, you know, he's he's definitely had to acclimate and, and step in and be the guy in a lot of instances. And to have that veteran leadership in the quarterback room, you know, Kyle Allen's probably a little bit slower coming back with that ankle injury. But Taylor Heineke looks like he's taking this offseason very personally. And, you know, if you look back, you know, this organization locked him up pretty quick. You know, there's a lot of question marks with him, you know, being size, being can he can he actually finish a game without getting hurt? You know, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of question marks with the quarterback position. And hopefully Ryan Fitzpatrick, one year, $10 million rental can be kind of an anchor in this quarterback room and kind of provide that veteran insight as well. So I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. So um, which day are you going down? Are you going down on three days or just one out of the three or how's that looking? So I work every day next week, but Wednesday and Thursday. I kind of normally skip out on fan appreciation day anyway, just because it's kind of a circus. Um, I kind of like to go during the week. It's a little bit calmer, kind of meet up with some people in town, get something to drink, maybe record some content. Um, I definitely plan on being there Thursday. I'm a lock for Thursday. If I'm not locked, I'm also trying to go Wednesday. We'll see how all that plays out. But um, definitely hope to be there Wednesday and Thursday. Am I going to see you there? Uh, no. <laughs> ah, you got to work. That's a shame. I, yeah, I, I wish that would be fun. It's all the way in Richmond, though, but it would be a lot of fun. How do, how do you think the experience will fare with this pandemic and COVID and everything? That's a very good question. It's something I actually got got into on sidelines episode drops tomorrow. I, I really do feel like it's it's kind of unfair to compare previous years experience to this year, you know? I, I, I don't know about you, but just not just as a content creator, but as a fan, I'm just going to be happy to be there, Josh. I'm just going to mm -hmm. be honest with you. Being around people that love the team and an overall improved morale, you know, football, just everything is trending upward for the Washington football team. Like I said, it's going to be nothing but a positive experience. You know, people are going to miss having those intimate interactions with the players, going to miss seeing them all up close and personal, you know, say whatever you will about the mask. I'm just going to embrace all of it. I, I'm going to be happy to be there in any capacity, so. Man, it, it, just the hype for NFL is here. Just everything talking training camp, it's almost here. Even Tom Brady's ready to have his core 22 throwing a football into a jugs machine and back <laughs> out. That. that was insane. Nothing that guy does surprises me anymore, man. Nah, He's just, nah. to me, maturing is rooting for Tom Brady. If, if you weren't rooting for Tom Brady before, I, I I don't know what you got against the guy anymore, man. It's just, he, he gives you nothing to work with if you're trying to hate on him. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I'm hype. I'm sure you're hype, Parker. Make sure you check out his stuff, Sidelines Washington Football on the Sidelines Sports Network. Follow him on Twitter 
at Parker Hamlet. Parker, this has been a lot of fun, man. Really glad you were able to get on our show today. It was a long time coming, man, and hopefully it won't be the last. Hoping to get you on my show as well, man. You know, I, you've been killing it lately, man, Josh. You know, your product's great. Everything's super clean. You've had a plethora of amazing guests, you know, in the past and upcoming, man. Just keep doing your grind. I, I'm definitely a big fan and hope to get you on my show very soon. Thank you for, for, for plugging all that stuff in there right there, man. That's made for radio right there. Dude, dude, I really appreciate all the kind words. Let's make something happen again really soon. For our sponsors, Regroup Building Services, PM Plus Reserves, Shenandoah Primitives, and Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation. Until the next time you hear us, always make sure to check out our content everywhere posted, our website, www.kirbyonsportspodcast, all streaming platforms, all social media platforms. Find us everywhere. That's where we're putting out the content. That's where we're going to be well-known. So find us, share us, subscribe to us. We're on YouTube everywhere. Until the next time you hear us once again, for Parker Hamlet, I'm Josh Kirby. Always remember to create greatness, and we will catch you next time. So long and peace out. Uh-huh.